tsunamis while watching tsunami on the couch. Hunter X, honey, yeah, I'm gone. My mama kicked me out. Rock, paper, scissors, robbing niggas in my neighborhood. Me and my niggas won't stay for good, no. Couch surfing on tsunamis while watching tsunami on the couch. Hunter X, honey, yeah, I'm gone. My mama kicked me out. Rock, paper, scissors, robbing all right, niggas. All right, all right, all right. Happy good. Saturday, everybody. You are currently tuned into yet another episode of Thoughts from a Counselor. We are your hosts, Weebert Lesser III. And Paul Singleton II. And as always, today we are excited to bring to you some fresh new content and with some fresh new guests. In line with what we always do, you know, we're going to pause here, let them introduce themselves to y'all, and, you know, maybe share a quick fact if they'd like to, because in addition to the knowledge that they're about to share, we want, you know, y'all to feel like you know them. And I'll pass it to you, Don, to kick it off. All right. Uh, how's it going? My name is Donnie Hoy. Uh, I am a biomedical engineer and PhD student at the University of Connecticut. Um, in terms of uh, uh, a fact about me, uh, I guess like I like to travel. I like to cook. I think I cook pretty well. I like to play. Uh, <laughs> the brother like can make a like good chop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to play like I'm on chopped and just see what's in the pantry and throw it all together and see what I want. So. <laughs> he has talent, everybody. Listeners, please understand the brother has talent in the kitchen. All right, and then Jonathan, would you like to go next? Sure, my name is Jonathan Balfour. I'm a junior at the University of Connecticut studying psychology and English. Uh, fun fact, I, I was about to say fun fact, I'm funny. Fun fact, <laughs> I, am, I am a lover of music, art, storytelling, all that media put together. I love all of it. And then last but not least, go ahead, Kira. Okay, hi, I'm Kira Petillo. Uh, I'm 23. I'm from Durham, North Carolina. I graduated from Spelman last year. Um, and my interests are film and writing. So I want to be a screenwriter. Woo. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you all. Right. Clap it up for all of our guests that are here today. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you and your time. And just a reminder of who we are. We are uh, Paul and Libra, obviously, but we're two black counselors <laughs> in, in training who are bridging the gap between what they were taught what they know and what we think we know, right? All through understanding that the world, by all understanding the world by recognizing the world is still being formed. And with that, Brother Lieber, can you introduce us to our wonderful topic today? All right, perfect. So today's topic is anime and you. Uh, for those of y'all who, you know, be for real for real in anime, I want to ask how it's shown in depict you, but that one is rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> and our first question is, you know, to set the tone, talk about, how we all got into anime since all of us are at least 20 we've been on this planet for a good amount of time and we've seen a good bit and i think i'll pass to you here to start it off so what got you into anime like what was your first anime okay um growing up i feel like i watched more anime that i didn't recognize at the time as anime mm-hmm. so like avatar the last airbender like my favorite show oh. Nope. Ever. Seen uh, <laughs> Titans Go and then the Boondocks. So it's like those shows were my first introduction without realizing it. Yes. Um, I watched Sailor Moon when I was like really, really little because my best friend at the time was a Sailor Moon fanatic. Um, but I'm rewatching it now because I didn't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I didn't really start getting into more types of anime until about maybe last year, a year and a half ago is when I really started to wanted to pick up again and watch more stuff. Um, I started. Hmm? 
I'm saying better late than never. Facts. Yes, it's true. Um, so, yeah, I've been watching, like, Cowboy Bebop, um, Hunter x Hunter, which I'm still in the middle of right now. It's stressing me out, but it's so good. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how I got into it. All right. And then, Jonathan, would you like to go next? Yeah, I can't really give you the first anime I watched, but back, like Kira said, I didn't really know that it was a distinction. I just thought there was souped-up cartoons. Right. Regular American cartoons. <laughs> right, so right. I, I can just list you one of the most popular ones of Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and then there was like Inuyasha. And mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what they were until Naruto, which is probably, I'm say it's my favorite, but I identify most with it because I grew up with this character. Literally, when he was like 12, I was 12, and he turned 16, <laughs> I turned 16. I was like, hey! So... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I got into it. Okay, okay. And then pass it to you, Dom. All right. Uh, yeah. So I like. First of all, I like that you said we're all at least twenty because uh, I'm gonna <laughs> age myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, my my uh, especially following behind Kira. Uh, so my first anime were Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Right. They used to come on on like a, a lineup when I was in middle school. Um, they used to come on the lineup like right when you got out of school. Sailor Moon was the first one on, and then Dragon Ball, and then Dragon Ball Z. Other than that, you know, I think was it Kids WB that did like the whole lineup. You had like fighting. They had a, yeah, they had an anime. Yeah, Fox Kids too. Fighting Futons. Exactly. So yeah, those were those were a lot of my early anime. For sure. For sure. I think for then me, I'll you yeah, yeah, um, I, Kira and Donnie are really speaking to me right now because that was my experience, a sim- very similar experience. <laughs> Sailor Moon, man, I really got into Sailor Moon when they introduced Tuxedo Mask, man. The brother was smooth. He had a suit, he had the cape, he had the hat. I was like, dog, this, this cartoon is so fly. And then I really recognized that it was not what I was used to because big into regular cartoons or American cartoons, maybe like a, like a, well, Power Rangers in the cartoon, but those types of shows. And then maybe fairly odd parents, all these other examples. But, um, it wasn't until I saw Dragon Ball Z and I was like, man, this is some real, this is a good show right here. So it was really Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z that introduced me to what anime was. I didn't know what Sailor Moon was when I, when I first saw it. However, looking back at it now, um, knowing what I know now, it's like that was a great anime, let alone just show. And the brother Tuxedo Mask was a smooth brother, so it was definitely um, <laughs> Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z for me as well. Yeah, okay. I think for me, it was Kenshin and Dragon oh. Ball Z. And ironically enough, Kenshin got me in trouble because for one of the episodes, they were discussing the opium trade. Mm-hmm. I think my aunt was like babysitting. I can't remember how we got on the topic. She was like, what are you watching? And I'm telling her about the show. I'm telling her about opium, like it's some made up thing. <laughs> not realize it's a real thing. And my mom, when she got home, my mom told me, now she was so, you were watching what? And they were doing what? <laughs> I think I was like maybe four. You know, kids oh don't really conceptualize this right. stuff. I'm like, why are everybody upset? What's going on? <laughs> but it, it still clicked because like, like all of you said, it helped me realize that there are more things going on and about this show is talking about something real. Mm-hmm. And that in of itself may be more interesting. So I'm like, well, what other real thing is this going to talk about? 
for sure. And I want to add on to that. There was a show that your attention reminder just was like, click, there's something else you got to mention, Paul. Um, wonderful show, by the way. And there's so many different iterations of tension. Um, Muyo, 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 uh, forgive uh, my pronunciation on it, but um, Yu Yu Hakensho was another show that I really, when I first saw that, this is like, I like this type of show right here. Um, <laughs> although um, he was depicted as a 14 year old child, he was clearly not a 14. That was a grown man. That <laughs> was a grown <laughs> man. But the, the whole spirit detective idea and, and just how he is, is he's, he's navigating high school. He's navigating being a, a detective, um, similar to how Jonathan said, when you're 14 years old, you're identifying, you're, you're latching on to these characters that they may not resemble you. However, they're, they're close. They're similar to you, right? I was 14 yeah. years old. I, I was acting like I could play fight. I just, I just finished up karate. I was feeling good. I'm like, <laughs> I could be a spirit detective trying spirit gun and it's clearly it's not working, but you can do all the motions. Um, but um, it just, it was just another show that made me see like that I could, and I think Libra alluded to it. Like I can expect more from a show outside of just making me laugh or making me uh want to buy their toy or buy something from a product from their show um it made me think about life in a grander scheme made me think about uh storylines and real things that can tie to our real lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and since we're discussing anime right um i wanted to ask everyone were there any anime characters that you identify with particularly right i mentioned yusuke uh, you're a meshi just a second ago, but there's plenty of others that I can name, but I would love to hear from you all. Um, what, are there any an anime characters that you identify with? More specifically, how did those characters speak to you and your growth and in, in within your identity? And I'll start with, uh, we started, let me start with Jonathan on this one. I've never really five identified with the character. Mm -hmm. it, it's more like, I see a character, I like their growth, I like their story, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to apply to me. Right. But if I were to give an example, I would say Shikamaru Nara from Naruto. Nice. He's a cool, calm, collected dude that he seems like he's lazy, he's laid back, but when, it, when it's time to get serious, he applies himself and he shows that he is an optimal person. Like He can really do what other people can do. Right. So I've always liked that aspect about him. He's very intelligent. Um, I've always considered myself the same. Uh, yeah, I, I'm the same laid back type of guy, but when I need to be serious, I can definitely be serious and I can prove my work. So sure. I would definitely say Sycamore. Mm -hmm. How about you, Donnie? Yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned you, you're for sure. I'm actually rewatching that right now with my partner. Uh, <laughs> We're in the chapter Black Art. You know, and well, you know, like you, you mentioned Tuxedo Mask too and like the smoothness. And, you know, I, I would love to say that I can be as smooth or that I'm like as smooth the characters like Tuxedo Mask right. or Karama. <laughs> right. Karama from, was uh, from Junior yeah, High. From Junior High. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Rose Whip. Um, okay. You know, but I would have to say, you know, unfortunately, you know, I don't think that's more, I, I wouldn't say unfortunately, but I guess that's not more my character type. That's the character I think I am sometimes. <laughs> but I think the characters that I more relate to is kind of a fusion of a few characters. So, you know, we mentioned Hunter Hunter earlier. Um, uh, Canary. Uh, I love Canary. You know, that's, that's, that's a dope sister right there. You know, and I think one of the things that represent, you know, that I, that I pick up from her, like she came from a darker place, right, compared to a lot of the other characters. 
but within that, she still had a gentle persona. She was very introverted in ways and she was very passionate, but, you know, she also represented a, a kind of the control that I feel like a lot of us feel in terms of living under like white supremacy because she was a butler, mm. right? And she was protecting people who essentially mistreated her, right. um, you know, but she was a strong character um, internally. And so um, I like to think of her. I also like to think of Dutch from Black Lagoon. Uh, I don't know if mm. you all are familiar with Black Lagoon. He was the leader of the uh, Black Lagoon. A uh, black man uh, who hated Nazis, hated white supremacy, was very vocal about those things, but with a real chill demeanor. Um, and I guess the final person would be Ed Elric. Um, you know, I like to think, you know, he's a very, he was a very rational person, very passionate though. Um, and I think he was very level-headed. So he ventured into kind of that, that interesting ideology of like what's dark, what's not, who's evil, who's good. He was willing to to look at the world in a very different way. Um, he and very adaptable to his surroundings and so very true very true thank you for sharing Kira how about you um mine's kind of a fusion as well um I would say I mostly relate to Ami and Sailor Moon or Sailor Mercury um and I feel like I'm a little bit of Katara from Avatar (laughs) and just like a little dash of May as well from Avatar. Um, Mostly because, especially Sailor Mercury, she reminds me a lot of when I was their age Mm -hmm. um, because she's very studious. Like her whole persona is kind of centered around her studies. And like one of the episodes I watched the other day, she was kind of doubting herself or she was like, what am I when I'm not studying? If I'm not this genius, do I have a passion for anything? And that's kind of where I felt like when I was in high school too, I was really good in school, but there were times where I was like, is this something I really want to do? Or do I just feel like I have to do it? Like there's nothing else going for me. And I think Ami also um, struggles with self-confidence, which is also me during that time. And even recently graduating from college and not knowing what I was doing. Uh, Let the people know, which college? Tell them when. Tell even after that, it, I kind of went through like, dang, what am I without school? Like, since I don't have anything lined up right away, it was kind of like, you know, who am I when I'm not in school, when I'm not studying, um, and what else do I have to offer? Um, and I also say Katara because I think Katara is a very, she's a very loving character. I think Katara, she doesn't turn her back on people, um, which is something I try not to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think she's a little hot-headed. <laughs> um, especially when she gets upset when she feels tried she gets really defensive really quickly which is something I do too that I try to work on as well um, and then I say a, a hint of May because May was always presented as very like gloomy or blah or she didn't show her emotions a lot um, especially when I was that age I had a really hard time expressing myself but I was a very, I was a very sensitive child um, so I would cry, mm. like, as soon as someone heard my feelings, I would cry, but as I got older, I realized I couldn't do that, or people would bully me more, right. so as a defense mechanism, I kind of just hid everything, and I came off as a very, like, flawed person, wasn't that I didn't have any emotions, it was a defense mechanism, so yeah. That's, a, that's deep, that's deep, thank you so much, uh, Kara, and Libra, how about you? Yeah, mine is somewhat of a fusion too but i'm just gonna let y'all know now i love swords so the fact that both of these people have swords is <laughs> on purpose so zoro from one piece and then future Trunks from dragon ball z mm. and i say zoro because 
originally he was introduced as this character who was like, I got to do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm with other people, things don't go well and people tend to not believe in me. Right. And when I was younger, that was very much so how I felt, right? Especially when I would try to seek help as he did and it went sour, right? When he saw help, he ended up getting arrested and was basically sentenced to death. The mm-hmm. officer that arrested him told him, if you can survive, I think it was like 15 days without food, I'll let you free. Ain't nobody survived 15 days without food. Right. <laughs> and then I say future Trunks from Dragon Ball Z because he was the first character that was introduced with dimensions, right? But something mm. that he spoke on most heavily was, I know I can do these things, but nobody ever tells me or supports the fact that I can do them. So he was constantly second guessing himself. And that's how I frequently felt for the same reasons I stated earlier with Zorro, because when I did seek help, when I did seek aid, it either didn't go well or people would outright rebuff me. And as we know, that does make you feel a way because you're like, well, even if you don't, even if you claim you don't want help, you still want affirmation, right? You still want support. For sure, for sure, man. You all are giving some wonderful examples, um, putting me uh, putting me in a position of a lot of pressure. <laughs> However, um, I just want to put out there that I I love main characters a lot, uh, and there's a lot of main characters that I, I I just bond to because their stories are tight. That's probably the purpose, right? Then the main characters build them up a little bit. However, um, I'm gonna throw a curveball and and a main character that I definitely identify with. And um, since we're on the Dragon Ball Z topic. There, I love Goku, love him to death, really do. But this character right here, I, I've identified with him since Dragon Ball. And I think Krillin, to me, is somebody I really saw myself in. Maybe not, because um, I, I agree with Liebert that dimensions within Dragon Ball Z characters can be, they, you. it's hard to find <laughs> them, right? However, no. <laughs> I think the perception of what Krillin was is what I really identify with, um, with right? So when you think of Krillin, like, in Dragon Ball, he was a equal to Goku. However, as the show progressed, he started falling behind, falling behind. However, they doubted him. People would doubt Krillin on so many occasions. I think to the Frieza saga when he was going toe to toe with the Ginyu Force. Uh, and 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 you think about when he he actually he ultimately died. But then you go, um, to, he died at the hands of Frieza. But then you go to um, later on with the Android saga or or up current to date um, in the the tournament of power and things like that you see krillin stepping up and saying i can hold my own and i think that i that that concept around underdog mentality but still being able to step up to the plate i will put in the work so i can step up to the plate there wasn't a time that when the earth was in danger that krillin said i'm gonna stay back i've seen a lot of yamcha behind people right yamcha like oh i'm gonna stay back right krillin was at the forefront at all times (laughs) Right, right. Krillin was pulling up. He said, I am a human. I'm amongst different types of species amongst this universe, right? Namekians, Saiyans, right? Androids. But I am a human and I'm going to train my behind off to make sure that I get to the level that I can defend and do what I can. And I resonate, that resonated with me not only throughout um, middle school and high school, but to, to graduate school and college right now, you know? So, um, being left back, being told that you wouldn't be able to do these things or achieve these goals, but saying, you know what, I'm going to keep training. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay in the lab. I'm going to do what I have to do so I can progress and be at the level that I can sit at the table where I can stand up for the earth as well. So I've always identified with um, Krillin, but then the other character and <laughs> me and Donnie, I laugh because we've had conversations about this show 
um, not Yu-Gi-Oh, but um, Digimon, right? And and the leader and the main character, Tai, to me was somebody that I identify with because I do also see myself as a leader, right? Although people may have um, doubted you, but I still see myself as a leader. And and what Tai went through throughout this the whole Digimon season one and two, he not only he knew that he had to be a leader, but he did not know how to lead, right? Necessarily, and he went and you could see that throughout the episodes. Like he's saying, "I don't know what to do," but y'all keep coming to me with these questions just because I got goggles. Like, no, I can't. Help, I can't help this situation right now. However, when you see the progression, when they go from um, learning the Digivolve to champions to ultimates and going uh, a little further to megas, like. You see Ty saying, you know what? I may not be the leader that I need to be, but I'm going to be the best leader that I can be. He starts to take in information, takes criticism. He doesn't just try to fight. There was an episode when him and Matt was going at blows, and I'm like, why are they fighting in a Digimon show? The Digimon is supposed to be fighting, but Ty and Matt was really <laughs> throwing punches. So it's like he, after that um, altercation and that conflict with uh, Matt, he started to be more open to the rest of the teammates, the rest of the members, and not just saying, well, I'm just going to say what we're going to do. Let me take in criticism. Let me take in feedback so we can make the best decision for us as a unit. And I feel like I try to do that in my profession right now and also in just in general in my life. Like, I'm still a leader, but I also want to hear your voice so you're not feeling like it's a dictatorship versus leadership. So those are the two main characters that definitely uh, – uh, I identify with the most. And it's funny because you left off in a great direction because that leads into the next question we were going to pose. So a lot of us know that like media is a teacher, but media is also a safe space at times, right? Because right. it helps us navigate our thoughts and our experiences. And now I would like to pose to our wonderful group, what are some particular feelings or even moments in your life that you found that either anime has helped you navigate or help you conclude. And we can start it off with Johnny this time. Never give up is such a cliche saying, but I feel like it has a lot of purpose to it. And Naruto really taught me that. This dude went up against everything. And even mm. though he's got some cheat code demon inside <laughs> of him, he's still, <laughs> he's still fighting for himself at the end of the day. And every fight he's been in, where it seems like he's the underdog, he finds a way, he doesn't give up, he doesn't quit, and he fights through. So mm -hmm. I've been doing that pretty much all my life with anything. Okay, okay. Uh, Kira, would you like to go next? Uh, hmm. Well, kind of going off of the never give up, but definitely like determination for something that you want, even if it doesn't maybe make sense to other people. Like, even while I'm watching Hunter at Country, like, sometimes, like, with Gone, like, he's so determined. <laughs> and sometimes, like, I feel like Cuba, like, I just want to be like, why are you like this? But you have to admire the determination that he has um, that maybe other people wouldn't understand. Um, mm -hmm. And it just kind of shows you to never give up on what you want, what you believe in. I think you see that in a lot of different characters. Um, but then it also, I think anime also shows you that it's not always a clear-cut route as well. Mm -hmm. Like, um, we tend to think that, you know, I still struggle with it, but, like, the idea that you have to be done with something by a certain age or by a certain time limit. But as we see in, like, a lot of animes, like, they'll be going for something, but then something else happens, which kind of gets them off track, but then they still go back to what it was that they were trying to do. 
So I think it's a good um, teacher determination that time is an illusion and that, you know, as long as you keep going, then you'll get where you need to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Don? Uh, yeah, so I guess one of the messages, uh, I guess, is on friendship and community. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of anime uh, like Promise Neverland or mm-hmm. like uh, Metsu Gromadica, um, where essentially these, these people eventually have to come together um, mm-hmm. in order to support each other. Um, but one another message is redemption. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie uh, A Silent Voice. Uh, it's a silent voice. It's a it's a beautiful movie. It'll make you cry. Like, <laughs> right. you know, I've seen I've seen it at least four times, and I think I've cried every single time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a real story about redemption. Um, you know, a, a girl is deaf, and she joins a class where the class bullies her, mm-hmm. and one of the main bullies essentially, you know, some things happen in the class where he eventually becomes bullied. Um, you know, and essentially it's about his redemptive story and how like that moment changed him mm-hmm. and how it changed her and impacted her and them kind of navigating that together through like their teenage life. Um, and it's, it's a really beautiful story about trauma, about, um, depression. You know, they, they, they use very colorful ways to paint those things, but in order for both of them to kind of get through it, they had to kind of pull back and find redemption for each other, for their classmates, um, as well as find community and the people who, at some point, hurt both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's a really powerful message. For sure. Mm-hmm. sure. I actually just thought of another character that has done that for me. Oh, my own? Yeah, um, Aang from Avatar. I, I know it's not considered anime or whatever, but I, I do. Avatar's um, anime. Right. Yeah, right. It's an anime, <laughs> yes. anime style animation. Listen, that, yeah. that's an anime. Man. You talk exactly. about the earth. So, you, you yeah, that dude, Aang, even when you have these people portrayed as evil, the Fire Nation, he will still look for the good in people. And that's something I've always tried to do. I've always had this open mind mindset and in terms of like putting myself in other people's shoes. A lot of these Fire Nation people, maybe they're not as evil as they seem. And when you go to the, the third season, when they're in the Fire Nation, they're seeing, seeing all these villagers, all these kids, mm-hmm. and how Aang and Katara would connect with them and dance with them and show that we're all the same at the end of the day. So Aang is definitely one of those characters that's shown me treat everybody with respect, with love, have an open mind. So mm-hmm. that's something I really resonate with. Yeah. Libra, um, I'm gonna take this one on before you you uh, tie it up. Um, mm-hmm. I think I guess um, summarized it very well, but to add um, some more thought and content around it, um, I think. The, the concept around repercussions of your actions is something that um, anime has really taught me. And then the dark repercussions, right? The bad side of it, right? Again, um, when Donnie mentioned Neverland, the first thing I thought about is the sweet heavenly place, right? We always see in these shows that there's always this good side. We can go to this great place. However, when you, I, I think the Digimon, when I'm trying to force somebody to Digivolve because I need this to happen, a dark Digimon comes. I think the Pokemon where you got all these different, um, these, these bad guys who, who have the Pokemon fighting for evil and they're doing evil things dragon ball z you got the dark star dragon balls by trying too much wishing and now this darkness is coming in um and i'm sure there's so many other examples within the shows that we watch 
But I think that concept around if we do make a decision, they have repercussions and it's not always going to be the best thing for um, us necessarily. It may be the worst thing. And now we're in a, a totally different and more difficult situation because of it, because of that choice. Yeah. Yeah, and my point is related to yours. The most consistent thing anime has taught me to learn and grow with is this idea of put consistency aside and take in what's around you. Mm -hmm. And a character I can immediately think of to relate that to is Neji Hyuga from Naruto because he has so many conflicting narratives, be it the genius, but the oppressed part of the branch clan to the head rookie, but to the person who's very much so still living in the past, mm -hmm. it anime drove home to me that if you truly want to be the new you, you have to be considerate of the old you, but you can't still be that person. Right. Because now you're still making the same person's mistakes in 2020, even though that version of you should have stayed in 2017. And most readily, I can think of when he fought Hinata in the tuning exam. Like, I think that was still the preliminaries, but when they fought. Because mm -hmm. everybody was shocked. Yes. They were like, we, we've never seen you act this way before. Where mm -hmm. did this come from? Mm -hmm. But he very quickly let them know, I acted this way because this is my chance. This served the That's old me. Mm -hmm. And even Guy was like, but Neji, you have so many things going for you like you are quite literally about to ascend to the next tier of your path right but he still was holding on to that old version of himself mm -hmm. and in a, in a real way a lot of us do tend to do that because we're still trying to please and prove old people old people wrong yeah and you have to realize that as you grow you need to adopt new people and new standards and even new goals facts and, and the people in our lives also believe in that that same idea as well. So you may feel that way, Lieber, but say if I believe in you and you're a totally different person, I have to come to that realization that you may not be that same person that I'm still believing in. Naruto to Sasuke, right? I still, he had hoped that he had some good in him, but um, I remember maybe it was one of the movies, but, or during, throughout the show, when they went, um, when they fought hand to hand and Sasuke held back, he didn't hold back. He said he saw him as an mm -hmm. enemy. It's no longer his partner, um, part of his ninja team. It's no, it's no longer mm -hmm. that camaraderie. No, you're an enemy. Get out my way. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that being said, um, we wanted to play a clip, right? We we talked about a lot of great um anime shows. We talked about characters that we have uh, that we have identified with. However, um, for this panel, for this conversation, from the looks of it, we are all people of color, right? So. Um, we wanted to actually dive a little bit deeper in that identification by thinking about representation within anime and animation, right? So before we um, started this robust conversation, we wanted to play a clip. It's about two minutes, so please bear with us. It's not too long, and <laughs> Sister uh, Punk, she has a lot of great information for you. Um, but it talks about the black representation, black and brown representation within anime and animation. Check her out. Here's Sister Punk. Dark skin character designs have been seen more often in the last couple decades, especially with the growing popularity of Black American culture and hip hop music. But sometimes this ends up looking a little bit too much like this. Oh, hell no. It's clear that negative racist views still exist in the anime community and in Japan's culture, likely perpetuated by the ignorance about how the Black image has been mocked and controlled 
ruled over centuries. The black image has been discriminated against, but still appropriated within the mindset that it's cool to kind of look black, but not actually be black. Now back to anime. There have been quite a few animes that have aired with actually confirmed black or brown characters. I love finally seeing this representation in Japanese anime, especially with its growing international impact. There are so many black and brown people who love anime and are inspired by its stories and astounding visuals. And even more who are talented enough to bring in a new generation of black made animation. But you know, considering most blacks and POCs have to fight so hard for our place in these communities that are dominated by disgusting racist views and unjustified gatekeeping. With all this in mind, I can't help but think, fuck adapting to another culture's medium. Black artists can be beautifully inspired by anime too. And the original work of black creators are starting to become more and more supported. These shouldn't be minimized to just being another offshoot in the anime franchise. From black nerds, illustrators, cosplayers, and voice actors, our own movement gives us the strength to stand as our own medium one day. In the same way that anime can have central characteristics to Japanese culture, black animation can also have these central themes of black identity created by black artists. So TLDR, why can't we just have our own thing? Why can't everyone just enjoy this beautiful fictional medium while being respectful to real people? Will we define ourselves by encouraging our own more inclusive communities? Or do we still have to suffer through being defined by the stupid gatekeeping that already exists? Wow, Sister Punk. Wow, Sister Punk. Wow, Sister Punk. Um, I think she brought up a lot of uh, great um, topics and, uh, and she covered a lot of bases. And I think we, we were talking about how we love anime so much. We have this connection to it. However, we don't see many represent, uh, too many characters that look like us, right? Um, or that we can truly um, connect with um, on a deeper level outside of just their archetype or their story. So with that in mind, um, especially when it comes to black and brown representation. Um, so with that in mind, what do you all think about the fact that um, many anime character archetypes tend to be recycled? Recycled. So example, main characters having blue eyes or blonde hair, not being black women, rarely being the lead, right? Or having uh, characters of color that are side characters. Um, so talk to me about that and also answer the question around, was this a barrier for engagement for you? And I'll start with Kira. Do you mind uh, answering that first? Engagement. Kira, um, we couldn't hear. Forgive me. Um, we couldn't hear you. Um, so could you start off oh, again? Forgive me. Sorry. Okay. Um, I was saying in terms of if it was a barrier of engagement mm -hmm. for me, um, I want to say yes. But also, no, in a sense, just because I think I've, <laughs> it may sound bad, but it's like when there isn't a lot of representation anyway, I guess it wasn't something, like I want it, but it's not something that I expect, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm more usually shocked when there are animes that do have more representation. Sure. Um, but then it also makes me think about shows that I mentioned earlier that I didn't think of as anime, but were animes. So, I mean, even like shows like Teen Titans, I mean, they weren't of color, but they were different colors, if that makes sense. Like Star Wars, oh, like sense. the red 
color and Raven was like purple. Beast Boy was, you know, green. Mm-hmm. Um, or even shows like Avatar. There weren't any, you know, Katara and Sokka, most of the Water Tribe members were brown. They weren't a darker brown, but they were still like light, lighter skins. Yeah. Um, so shows like that, I just, I didn't think about it as much. I didn't think of them as animes. And so I started watching animes, like again, like Sailor Moon, there aren't any darker skinned people. Um, Cowboy Bebop, um, Hunter x Hunter has a little bit. But to kind of go off of what Sister Punk was saying, I think it's interesting. She said that um, we need more black animes created by black artists. I think that also shows how important an anime like The Boondocks is, even though we don't think of it as an anime, but it is a black anime created by a black artist. Um, and he's talking about issues that a lot of us go I mean, he was talking about real life issues, like, you know, the trial of R. Kelly, mm-hmm. like things that are actually happening in the black community. So that was a black anime for us. And I really hope that we can see more of that as well. So, for sure. Yeah. Shows like Cannon Busters as well is another black inspired anime that you, you see nothing but black and brown characters or a majority of the cast is black and brown. And I, yeah. I would agree. Or even like towards Shippuden too, when they yeah. started depicting all cloud ninja. Yeah. So true. So true. Libra, do you want to tag in on this one? Yeah. When I think, I think the, uh, the biggest barrier to me was that no matter how you tried to explain to people like, Hey, you know, Takira's point about how we're not seen. It's like, we can still critique how we are seen within it. Mm-hmm. And Usopp within one piece is a great example of that. Because yes. I, I went back and forth with one of my friends about that because his lip design very much so favors the mocking animation style that they do for black folks. Yes. And my friend brought up how there were other darker skinned characters in One Piece. And I was like, not to call you unread, but you're unread because there are darker skinned people in Asia who aren't black. Right. So those characters can be darker skinned Asian, but there's a very specific reason why black characters had that design. And then like there was a fight where they fought a dude and they had a boxing match. And Luffy and Usopp, when they were doing his design, said they were going to channel a black boxer. They were like, yeah, he has this, this primitive, misunderstood strength. And I'm like, okay, my, my anti-black radar is going crazy. <laughs> right, right. By the way, Usopp, his hair, I think it shows that he's a black man, first of all. His hair is like wool. He <laughs> is a black man. Um, but um, I, I think you speak truth. Um, in in the assessment that you just shared with us, thank you. How about you, Jonathan? Um, I've never really had any barriers to getting into anything. Like, if it, it looks interesting to me, if it looks cool to me, I'll watch it, no matter what color the characters are. It is nice to see black people in anime for me. Um, my first real example of that was with uh, Bleach. Well, he, he's Mexican and and Japanese. Chad, see his last name, but Chad is a Hispanic character. It, yeah, something like that. And I'd see him and I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. But I'd never really go deep into it. Um, in terms of the archetypes and like no black characters being main characters, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I'm assuming like if I was white, I would probably make a white character. I'm black now. I have a black character that I created a couple years ago, and I've always wanted to make a 
some type of animation for that character, but I wouldn't deal with any of like the black struggle or anything like that. I'd just make him the character because I think that's what's most important is the character first. So um, I don't really have too much of a answer for that idea, I guess. Oh, and that's real. I think that is your, your perception. That is your, your experience. And I think there, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I, I could relate to that before we toss it to Donnie. I, I can definitely relate to that, uh, Jonathan. Like, it it was not necessarily a barrier for me to get into uh, anime um, because there wasn't any characters that looked like me um, or characters of color. However, I think it start as I grew up, it started to give me a new standard for what I'm trying to consume because I want to see representation. I want to see myself in these shows. So although I can still enjoy these types of shows and I will still watch them to this day, even though there, there may not be a black main character, um, I think for my expectation and my, my standard, it's like, well, if I'm really going to dive into a show and say, this is my, my stuff, this is my ish, like, and I'm going to try to put other people on, like, I wouldn't mind having a, a, a black or brown character in the cast somewhere, let alone um, as a main character. So I think that that's very true in what you're saying. Donnie, do you... Oh, please, Kyra, please. Sorry, I wanted to add something really quick. Um, to go off the point of, um, you know, making animes for yourself or, like, you know, a lot of animes are, you know, um, written by Japanese people. But I think also, like, what Weaver was saying, it also still kind of goes into, even in other cultures, how colorism is still there. Mm-hmm. So even if a character or even if a show doesn't necessarily have black people, they still don't have darker skinned people like you know like right. there are dark skinned japanese people a lot of you know there is colorism is very real in the asian community For sure. um i think of places like china japan like this this idea that they're all this very light skin when the truth is that's not true so it's like you know even if they're not black it's still kind of like why aren't they representing people that are darker skin that are their people too for sure for sure that's real yeah. thank you for that care yeah so this is an interesting question for me uh it wasn't a barrier for me one because i was really young when i started consuming anime right um and so my my understanding of race uh especially in comparison between like the western world and eastern world were very different concepts my uh or uh very different things than my my ideologies or not my my ideologies but i guess my idea of what race actually looked like in Japan was very misinformed at that age as well. Mm. Um, but I think another thing is, I don't necessarily know that uh, this is actually a fact, right? That a lot of main characters have blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, we see it in some cases, right? We see it like the Sailor Moon, right? You know, but then when we go to Dragon Ball Z, our main character Goku has very dark hair, for right? Sure, sure. We don't start the, I think the first, blonde character we get is maybe android 13 the first blonde uh main uh not main character but, but cast, you know, yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah. exactly yeah. um and then like you know full metal alchemist is one example but you know that kind of takes place in something like a germany right and so that mm-hmm. makes a bit more sense in that context mm-hmm. but if you think about yu yu haku show uh none of the characters there are blonde uh if you think about uh future diary none of the characters there are blonde if i remember correctly right like there's a there's so many anime out there and i think a lot of that i think a lot of what makes it to mainstream portrays that image mm. and so if you're not like very like well read on your manga or very like out there in terms of like the anime and look for other things i think it can just be the illusion that that's true 
Um, and so that particularly wasn't a barrier for me. What's more of a barrier for me was the representation of blackness, right? The Mr. Popos. Even when oh. I was too young to really understand the racialization of things, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you, you get that feeling that something's not right. Right. You know, it's something about Mr. Popo was not right to me. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and we can call him an alien all day long. Yeah, but uh, like, come on now. He was I'm not exactly. a no. No, exactly, no, no, but no. he looked like the mom from Tom and Jerry, okay, right? So, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, and so they're like, there, there, there has to be some connection to blackness there, and the fact that I felt like, you know, uh, Piccolo was more truly black than <laughs> this man who is like very serious. Right. Piccolo was a black man. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you know, the barriers for me are the ways that we depict blackness, uh, as opposed to the ways in which we assume whiteness in the characters. Because if you ask most Japanese people. They assume these characters are Japanese, even when they have blonde hair and blue eyes. If you ask them, interview them, what they think they'll they'll tell you these characters are Japanese for that, mm-hmm. which tells you that there's something different that we're seeing or perceiving uh, when we watch it in the West versus when they watch it in the East. Sure. Um, you know, but then also think about shows like I don't know if any of you have watched Terraformers, right? Uh, Terraformers is an anime about these. Basically, they sent roaches to Mars to terraform Mars. You know what? I've read the manga. I didn't even realize there was an anime. Huh. There's an anime, uh, <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, it's it, it, even the manga. They're they're both a bit problematic. It's a very it's very good yeah. and problematic at the same time because the depiction of these these roaches that they sent to terraform, right? So these roaches become humanoid when they get to oh, Mars. Yeah. Somehow, being in Mars. They become humanoid. And if you start to look at the way that they depict them, they look black, mm. right? You know, from like these tribal kind of like moments that they have, they have little crows. Some of them have little crows, mm. right? They show like the little kids and they have these spears with little crows. When they hold the gun, like the, the roaches have the guns and they're holding it like sideways like this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, hmm, okay. That also, <laughs> that also but, goes to a lot of like, especially darker-skinned Black women, they're usually called roaches, like, as an insult. Mm-hmm. So that's also very disturbing when you think about that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, so those, to me, those are the bigger barriers. Oh. You know, it came to a point where after watching the season, I was like, wow, this is really, really good. You know, except it's very, very racialized or it's codified, and, you know, we're not talking about that. And, you know, for me, it's like, that's the kind of thing that makes me go, can I watch season two? Should I watch season two? You know, do I have to like discontinue this story because of the way that they're depicting people uh, that look like me, right? Or the concept of them overlaying people who look like me into roaches. And so. I just looked up images for these, these roaches and this, this is, <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. It's terrible. And it's such like, a good story, though. It's such a really good story, but that depiction is so problematic. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I mean, that directly segues into misrepresentations. I mean, we've talked about it lightly already, but for example, one of the reasons why Sailor Moon was so groundbreaking was because for once we had women characters, wait, they're teenagers, so young girls who were the lead but who are actually allowed to be full dimensional people. Mm-hmm. Whereas typically, you know, they're relegated to the side of like being saved or being seductive. And even now, when you look at the reception of it, people still write it off, even though to Paul's point about Power Rangers was influenced by Sailor Moon, right? Mm-hmm. Almost every character style that you see that features transformation got that original beginning from, hmm, this is really interesting. 
And now I want to ask y'all, what are some just perhaps glaring or perhaps minor things you caught in anime that you're like, hmm, I like this one because it doesn't do that. And I'll have you start it off, Jonathan. Um, the first one, first character that really shot out to me was Killer B, Naruto. Um, <laughs> because this was, before this, we had never seen anybody dark skin in the whole show. And then the first character they show is this hip-hop dancing rapper. And I'm like, why does that have to be it? And, and I mean, I'm fine with it. He's one of my favorite characters. I love seeing stuff like that. But it was just off-plane to me to see this, this first character. That's what is the portrayal of the Cloud Village at that time. And then, of course, you get further in and you see his brother, A. He's the, the Raikage. He's the leader of the village. And he's not as much like Killer B. And you start seeing some more variation which is what it should be but i don't know the first time i saw killer b i was like what's yeah. going on here and he had the tattoos and he had the cornrow style kind of mm-hmm. so it, it was just weird to me um and another character that comes to mind i can look this up but it was this character from soul eater mm-hmm. i remember seeing this guy the zombie guy and I remember he stood out to me because it was just his facial features. Even though he's a zombie, you see that this is a black man. He had the cornrows. He had a basketball jersey on, number 23, because I guess that we're represented by basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all the tattoos all over the arm and the, and the tank top. It was just all playing to me. But I, I never really had an issue, but there's something weird about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I can I uh, do a quick? Yeah, thing? yeah. I don't know. I gotta say, I actually like Sid's character a lot. Um, yeah, I like it too. Because uh, in the beginning, they show who Sid was right before he turned into a mummy, and like the, he wasn't like overly stereotyped. Especially with Soul Eater was a very hip hop anime, right? Mm-hmm. It had a lot of underlying hip hop, and so I think it did more respect, and it was more out of like respect and homage than it was out of like trying to be offensive putting the cornrows in. Killer B, Killer B is a very different kind of story. He's a character all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Sid didn't rely on anything more than showing, like it was a blatant way of showing he was black, as opposed to like him, even in his dialogue and everything, it, it wasn't carried through as a complete stereotype. I think sometimes stereotypes help us, especially it helps us show uh, the type of people so that there's no ambiguity, right? This is not a brown Japanese man, right? This is a black man right, very clearly a black American man, right? And so I think with those kinds of things, I think it's really important that we, you know, I think we have to have the distinction between just the look versus the the behavior. Um, you know, they didn't put the big lips on him. They didn't like, you know, oversize his nose in any weird ways. And so I think, you know, for me, his character was a bit more, uh, I, I was fine with the portrayal for him even as a zombie. Yeah, one of those things that you mentioned of how him as a character was not a stereotype and that's one of the things that I appreciate the most because mm-hmm. that's the most important thing like I said before is making someone that is authentic to themselves and not based on anything well they can be based on other characters but not based on any stereotypes right and he was a kind caring person from what I remember yeah. this was a long time ago um and that's what he was it wasn't he was a thug or something because he was dressed like that that particular description of us. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then Kira, now would you like to tag in? 
Yeah. Um, I guess I'll look at both sides. Like one show I think that was really good at breaking stereotypes was I'm gonna say again, Avatar. Um, all the women in the show are just amazing. Like each every single one of them are different in their own way. I mean, even Azula, even if you don't like her, she's a very dynamic, <laughs> she's a very powerful character. Um so I think that and then in terms of stereotypes or caricatures, I the first thing that comes to mind is not an actual well, it was a character, it was not like a main character or anything, but there's an episode um in Sailor Moon where because the show tends to have a lot of like um either call them monsters or like um demons, like it, each new episode is like a different one. Mm-hmm. And one of the episodes, um, one of the the monster was this like I think they were in a bakery and the monster turned into this woman and she kinda looked like um the Miss Chiquita Banana you know, the figure that they have with the bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of looked like her. She was darker skinned. She had, like, the, the fruit on her head. Um, and I was like, okay. And so her power was to get all these people to eat these basically bad fruit. But when they ate it, they um, they basically turned black or their skin became darker. Um, and I, I didn't know how to feel about that because, like, they were walking around kind of like zombies with much darker skin and then like she looks like the Chiquita, Chiquita banana woman and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of long history of uh, fruit stereotypes for black people so the fact that her power was fruit it just I was just kind of like uh this doesn't seem right uh especially she was a villain so that was a big example for me and like a caricature in a sense. I think for me no. Thank you, brother. I think for me, um, I think you all gave another great examples, and I don't want to repeat any of them, but um, one that just came to mind, and now that I think about it, it's kind of, it is kind of messed up. Um, Jinx, the Pokemon Jinx, like, is is, is no one going to bring up the fact? They changed their color. Right. (laughs) Thank you. They changed their whole design for that. Thank you. Because they realized, they knew. They knew what they were doing. I feel, and I. (laughs) And and maybe this is me diving too deep in it. And I'm just trying to find something wrong with it. But I the I take a problem with the fact that she's a nice type. Maybe that like some may perceive black women to be cold or 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 heartless or to a sense. Um, and and that may be just me think looking too deeply into it. But I thought the fact that you have this big boobed round woman with blonde hair and dark skin. Um, as a Pokemon, and this isn't offensive. So to your point, now she's purple. I don't know if that's that's still offensive to me. They, maybe they just get rid of the Pokemon, change it to yellow or orange. I don't know, gold. There's there's so many other colors we can use. But um, yeah. I think that was a a definite uh, smack in the face. Maybe and it probably wasn't intentional, or maybe it was, but smack in the face to um, black culture. And just remembering that episode when they introduced her, it, like it was just very. Um, comical versus like, oh, this is an extreme like threat to us. Like, I need to capture this. No, it was more of a pun and a joke. And let's laugh at this Pokemon and and just uh, kept uh, chalk it to another episode. So, I thought that was uh, one example, but an example that I do enjoy. And and this uh, may speak to Donnie's point about being um, actually black or uh, African descent. 
um, characters or um, black Asian or black uh, Japanese characters, but Oob, like I remember, and I know GT has a lot of heat for people that are Dragon Ball Z fans, but I can't. It's non canon. It's non canon. I understand that. I get that, but I still enjoyed it. Um, but I still enjoyed some aspects <laughs> of it, right? And I think <laughs> the character of Oob, like Goku, really looking at this as the next one, like he's going to be the next great fighter. I need to get him right. And he was, he was black, like, and then he came from this pink person to this to this black man that is super strong i thought that was uh truly powerful especially in that type of world that sayings are the um end all be all and if you're not a saying then you might as well just take an l so yeah uh mind if i jump in please oh go ahead yeah so i actually want to speak to, to two points one is kira's point about like the darkening of skin when they ate the fruit in sailor moon yeah. so i actually i don't remember that episode it's been a long time since i've seen sailor moon but we see that in other uh forms of like japanese uh media as well like we see it in uh street fighter mm. for example where all of the dark characters dark akuma dark uh i can't remember what's her name what's ryu's student name uh the girl sakura is it sakura i think yes, so I yeah, exactly. They exactly. Ryu has one too. Their darkened forms are these brown skinned versions of themselves. That's them when they're evil or dark, and they have a like they actually have a long history of mm -hmm. codifying people in that way. And you know, I don't know what the relationship is for them with Japan and why they do that, and if it's a racialized thing or if it's like a colorism thing. But you know, it's definitely something that, in my mind, that I hope they tease out in the future. Mm -hmm. um and then to paul like on dragon ball z dragon ball z actually for me is one of the ones that showed a lot of the stereotypes right for sure uh like you had captain black and dragon ball yeah right who had the big lips he was almost incompetent right um yeah. you know they they did a lot in terms of stereotyping uh black characters throughout dragon ball uh and dragon ball z uh, sure. but one of the characters that really uh not in dragon ball z but one of the characters uh or one moment in anime that really really stood out to me too is uh recently promised neverland uh if any of you have seen that it's on mm -hmm. um they have sister crone mm -hmm. who yeah. is this dark she's black like she is a black woman hair mm -hmm. texture everything but she's very mammy-ish um you know she she fits the mammy stereotype she's a bigger black woman uh she's like super fast super strong you know yeah uh, all these like unique senses of hearing and smell exactly mm -hmm. smell, like she exactly she she's almost animalistic in a lot of ways um, and it, you know, especially compared to her, uh, contemporary, her, her fellow peer, who's another sister, uh, in the house that they're running, mm -hmm. uh, who is a fair skinned woman, right? You know, yeah, she's, I'm guessing she's, she's very Eurocentric, straight, long hair, tied back. She's very soft and gentle, even though she's evil as shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they, right. they soften her character so much, but then, you know, Sister Crone enters. And it's just like, she's just this wild, crazy character. She has a black baby doll that she like treats like her child. Uh, she's like that shit, you know? And so yeah. it's really interesting, like watching that, like direct, like very direct uh, contrast between these two characters while they're all set together. And like the ways in which they kind of depict us as animals. And you see it in other anime where they, a lot of times they try to tie us to an animal spirit, right? right. You see it in like Zatch Bell. That Bell, the first black character, the only black character that they had in there, his puppet was a was a uh, panther. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a panther. And then a shaman king. You had I, I can't remember the guy's name. Yes, 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 exactly. You know, and and, and like it, we're always like over these these decent things, and you know, fine with drawing a bit on culture, but I think we have to be careful not to caricature yes. right culture instead. And I think a lot of times, you know, they overdo it. 
you know, and so that becomes one of the, the issues for me. But then that's just in racial stereotyping. In terms of gender stereotyping, like, you know, I, I like that Care About a Sailor Moon or was it Care About a Sailor Moon or, or uh, someone mentioned the, the fact that all of these women were very different, right? That you got to see the vastness of all of these women, mm -hmm. um, you know, whereas, you know, I think immediately of Bleach and I think of Orihime and she, that damsel in distress moment, or I think of all of the women in Naruto who could have been so much greater than that. Than oh, the, uh, Even Tsunade, the signing was still like, no, nah, we're just going to put you over here in a mac and cheese roll. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> People are supposed to be, you know, uh, Ginning master, or not, uh, they're supposed to be like uh, uh, Genjutsu masters, and masters of breaking out of Genjutsu. We never see those abilities. Poor Tintin never got off the ground. You know, <laughs> Sakura is supposed to be one of the strongest women in the village, one of the strongest Tenoichi, and like she just fell back to the two men in her group so quickly. Right. So go off of Donnie's point, you mentioned like the connection of Doctor Skim from an Asian culture. I remember one of my friends when I was in high school told me, so I went to China um, the summer before, I think my sophomore year, and he told me that I might see a lot of, especially women who wear, who not wear, but they'll have an umbrella even when it's sunny outside. And that's because they don't want to get darker. Yeah. Um, because for them, it's like darker skin usually relates to class. Because like if you're out in the street, like if you're working on a farm or um, and you're seen as lower class, you tend to be darker. And even when you watch a lot of movies, like I don't know if any of y'all have seen Parasite at all. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to spoil anything, but um, <laughs> since I like film, I also like to look at lighting. So when you look at how they frame the people who are of higher class versus the people who are of lower class, the lighting is much different. Like the lighting is a lot brighter for the people of higher class, and lower class is a lot darker. Um, to kind of, kind of give that connection. And there's another movie, The Handmaiden, is like one of my favorite movies. Love it. I've heard good things about that. I've heard good things about it. Oh my gosh. Even the way love it, it love it, love it. Well, it's like the difference between class is also seen in how they present them in the lighting as well. So it's always this connection of, for them, you know, for us, it's, when we think about skin color, it's definitely race, uh, race and gender. And for them, it's the same too, but it's also a lot of class plays into it as well. So, so true. To add, oh, to add my thoughts on now, I think the most glaring thing to me that I see whenever I think of this particular question is the erasure. And to flesh that out more, the creator of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure loves black music to the point where he's had Prince playing and opening and outros. He's had Jodeci playing and opening and outros. Yes, yes. But off the top of my head, I can only think of one black character who hint, hint, also dies, as we tend to see with black characters in media. They don't want to kill so it's keep like, us. Yeah, it's like, how can you, like, himself proclaim that I styled the character after Prince, he's playing the music, and somehow a character who is our, who is like us, can't even make it. And the one time there was a darker-skinned character who I don't think was black, but he can correct me if I'm wrong, was a villain, and a particularly harsh villain is that. So to pull on the colorism point as well, it's like y'all still show that y'all have these very coded and specific negative feelings, even while claiming you have these positive ones, which goes back to, you know, the age old adage of, well, y'all love black things, but for some reason, black and darker skinned people just don't receive your love. 
Very true, very true, brother. Man, that's well said, Libra. Um, and I think this is a perfect way to get into how we can conceptualize um, how anime and our identity intersect with one another, right? Um, we entitled this fusion um, to, to, you know, as a bad pun for intersecting, but um, I'll take my laugh right now since no one wants to laugh with me. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. Appreciate it. However, Liebert, do you want to start us off in this conversation around um, intersection, intersecting anime with our own identity? Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the way that we shame people who watch cartoons because we act like cartoons are childish. Right. And when I was younger, I was always mature, right? So I, I would have trouble explaining, even though DBZ and One Piece and all these other stuff, Gundam Wing had cult following. Yeah. It still wasn't always cool to talk about it. And while it's not my literal identity as far as like systemic and oppressed and privileged identities, it really did challenge my self-awareness. So I was like, I really love this thing. Like I really love these shows. But people yeah. say that I shouldn't. And it would really make me think, well, then, is there something wrong with me for still enjoying these things that apparently everybody else despises? So true. Speak on that. I've had a lot of experiences where I would just put up this front where I'd be like, all right, you think it's childish, but I don't care because I know it's not. Mm-hmm. Then eventually I got to a point where I was like, I actually need to explain to some of these people that anime or cartoons it's a whole medium there's Mm -hmm. genres for everybody you can find something you like whether it's like some political thing it's a drama or it's action based there's something for everybody so that's always the what i would tell people but they would still even my mom i was talking to her about this because i bought the avatar this set so i could show them to my older brother and his girlfriend because he watched bbz but that's all he watched Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get them something different, something new. So one time my mom was sitting down and she was just like, oh, you watching these little cartoon things? And I'm just like, don't you know this is one of the greatest <laughs> stories ever told? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really just paused the thing and just had to sit down and talk with her. Like, this this notion needs to go away because this is just like The Young and the Restless. That's all she watches. Right. Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful. This is just like that. It's just, <laughs> it's animated. It's just animated. Right. It, media and fiction, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's, there's no reason to have these different distinctions or say, oh, you're like this if you watch this. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. So true. I think that it impacts us more so um, in our early years than later um, as we all our adults as we keep reminding everyone <laughs> we're grown um, but seriously I think when I was in middle school or in elementary school, or definitely middle school if you're still watching anime you're in that circle that oh they maybe are quote-unquote geeks so they're still watching cartoons yeah, to, come to school a little exactly lucky. exactly and you're not you're not into I don't know whatever is popular right now because we're off court cartoons we're not young kids anymore quote-unquote so um or children um, so I think it definitely impacted when I was younger. However, to where I am now and growing up at that at this point, it's more so it's just like Jonathan said, it's another way for me to consume media. It's just animated instead of being live action. I still can enjoy 
um, live action. I can still enjoy the storytelling in those types of shows and movies. However, I equally, maybe even more so, enjoy it when it's animated. Um, because sometimes you can do a little bit more in that storytelling, but that's for another conversation. But I definitely think um, it definitely impacted my identity when I was growing up because maybe I wasn't, well, not maybe, I wasn't worried about, I was more concerned about status and being liked versus um, enjoying what I actually liked. So I think that's a real battle. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what's funny about that too, Paul? Those same people that were telling you, oh, you're this and that for watching this and that, they're probably watching anime now too. Right. For sure. So for sure. Part, it's become a lot more mainstream. Like you'll see people like like Michael B. Jordan has a whole clothing line dedicated to Naruto. And always right pronounces it wrong. Always. <laughs> always. But that's that's all right. That's all right. That's, that's <laughs> and, and then you got in music, rappers reference BBG all the time or, or Naruto. Like all these people that people are identifying with, they are finding all right, maybe it's not that bad after all. Yeah. So it's just it's just one of those situations where it's like, oh, we found it cool before. Why couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, if if I can jump in, uh, please. I think for me, it was uh, it wasn't so much about watching the shows, with the exception of maybe like shows like Sailor Moon, right? You know, as a young black boy watching Sailor Moon. You know, and we all watched it, but we yeah. never talked about it. No, you're right, <laughs> you Donnie. Know. You're right. Yeah, we never it talked about billions it. Billions of dollars, but nobody was talking about watching it. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, no, no one, no one wanted to admit it. You know, <laughs> and it also just reminds me of like, uh, you know, not an anime, but just like the the cartoon, uh, Totally Five. Right. Yes. So many of us watch stuff like that in Kim Possible, but we were so afraid to say it out loud because of masculinity, yes, right? Yes, yes, um, You know, and so that was one of the challenges. But I think one of the bigger challenges for me wasn't so much liking the anime itself um, because I was able to find a lot of friends in high school who were also into it. So I had, like, a group that I watched it with. Um, but I think for me, it was the, the love of the music, right? So I love mm. a lot of the intros and outros. Mm-hmm. And like one of my favorite, one of my favorite intro songs is Neon uh, Genesis Evangelion, mm-hmm. right? They have like mm-hmm. one of the most upbeat, funky kind of like, <laughs> right? That's it, Paul. <laughs> right, right. You know, and like just playing that at home, mm-hmm. and like my family, like my family will wonder, what is that you're listening to? Why are you? How do you know what they're saying? How do you know they're not cussing? How do you know they're not saying anything like that? I, I hate, I hate <laughs> when they say, "How you know what they're saying?" I don't know why. Like, you know how much American music we listen to that we can't decipher, and we sing right. the wrong lyrics. Exactly. Right. It, it takes you five exactly. times listening to the song just to figure out what they're saying. Or, exactly. or even, like, I love listening to like piano music, instrumental music, like jazz, like yeah. There's no lyrics. Exactly. That's the problem there too. But there's an emotion, and that's what people don't get either. There's an emotion when you talk about listening to jazz. There's soft jazz, right? There's some, mm-hmm. some jazz that'll bring you to tears. Mm-hmm. There's some jazz that'll make you happy, right? Some upbeat jazz. There's some jazz that'll make you feel angry, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's you can we regardless of what language we speak, emotions are always going to be the same, right? And so yeah. we always know the feel of a song. We always like Inuyasha. I love the Emmy song for Inuyasha. Man. Got that soul R and B kind of yes. vibe mixed into it. Yes. You know, the whole Cowboy Bebop soundtrack, Yoko Kano is one of my favorite uh uh musical directors and musical creators. Like she's she's great, she's done so much stuff in Shell, right? And so like playing those songs and having people who are not used to watching anime 
listening to them, it you know, it was always something that I kind of like, you know, secretly had on my playlist and listened to with my ears on for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't really become empowered to listen to more out loud until when I got to college and I realized that so many people around me, especially at Morehouse, love anime. You know, and, and like everyone loved those songs. Everyone knew, you know, you start playing and everybody starts singing and you're like, wait, whoa. Okay, where were y'all when I was in like high school and middle school? Right, right, right. But yeah, so that that's that's me. Um, for me, being a woman who enjoys anime can be very annoying because for some reason, especially a black woman, because men for some reason feel like they have this control over anime. <laughs> But it only belongs to them. Um, I think Megan Thee Stallion is a very good public example yeah. of how she was when she said she enjoyed anime. Like, people were so hard on her. They're like, she probably didn't know this, she probably didn't know that. And she had to, like, defend herself mm-hmm. of all this stuff that she knows, all the shows that she's watched. And it's just, it's sad that we don't allow women to enjoy these things or they feel like you're only watching it because of your boyfriend or because you know, some guy put you on, like, there's no room yeah, for you never met her or spoken to her exactly. talking about, you watching this to impress us. Right. Exactly. Right. And then, like, like tell them anime, mm-hmm. and they start quizzing you. And I'm like, and it's like, God forbid if you are a woman and you just casually watch anime. That There's no room for that. And it's like, you have to either be a diehard anime, like, it's all I watch, I know everything, or I know nothing at all. It doesn't leave room or, you know, just, you know, because there are just casual anime watchers, you know, they, they like anime, but they may not be, you know, um, a diehard fan, but you don't allow that, especially for women, uh, which is depressing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think some of those feelings from people like that who try to put women down for that come from the fact that when they were younger, they were put down Absolutely. for watching. Absolutely. Now they feel like they have to defend themselves, which mm-hmm. that's dumb, in my opinion, because, like, Come on now. If, <laughs> if you were in that position like me, where some people would be like, oh, you watch that? What's wrong with you? You should grow up and say, hey, I appreciate that you're watching it now. I love that we can share this conversation. And it doesn't matter who it is, man, woman, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Kira, real quick question. Have you seen Megan Thee Stallion's uh, Shoto Todoroki from My Hero, her cosplay? <laughs> yeah. cosplay it was dope. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. so dope. <laughs> it's really nice that Meg did help bring that to the forefront because it's funny dudes be so convinced that the black women around them don't watch anime and I'm like they'd watch you make the conversation unsafe they're just not talking about it exactly because so many women came forward and were like yeah like I would love to be able to enjoy that but dudes around them simply won't let them and it's funny because if you talk to other men about just starting a show they'll happily tell you what episode to watch, what to mm-hmm. look out for. But suddenly when you try to put your, your woman friend on or your woman friends on, now they're talking about uh, maybe, even though they want to engage with you because they don't want you to be like, what? what? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you don't no. know nothing about no anime. What are you yeah, talking like, about? Yeah, like you should really ask right. yourself why, again, you're right. so hard on women for liking things that you like. Because like Kira said, you're not some gatekeeper who was the originator of anime who can just be like, oh, I'm the litmus test. No. For the example, I met someone last year, a black girl at school, and she brought up, oh, yeah, I was watching My Hero Academia. I was like, oh, really? So I brightened up. I was like, hey, 
I got a whole list for you. I literally <laughs> wrote out a list of stuff you should check out. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, is that what you're watching? Oh, you, you shouldn't watch that. You should watch this. I gave her a list of more things to watch so that she can add to that collection instead of just being pushed down for one thing that she likes. Mm-hmm. I think your example, and, Jonathan, speaks to that. It's, it definitely speaks to, and, and Libra, forgive me for cutting you off, but um, I, I truly think you hit the nail on the head, and everyone is, um, but that power that they did not have at a time before, maybe they're trying to use it right now, um, whether it's the power where I was being bullied or I'm just stuck and I was conditioned to understand gender roles and I have to, to put a woman down, maybe that was where they were conditioned, versus um, embracing them like Jonathan in your example that you did with your friend. So I think it's definitely something that um, needs to be discussed and changed amongst um, male viewers of anime. It's, we need to embrace anyone who, who likes anime or animation in general because so many people are, are ready to target it and, and put it down um, as childish or, or whatever they may uh, claim it to be um, versus some uh, uh, genuine great content um, developer and show um, that it is, a genre that it is, forgive me. And while we're on the topic of power, you know, we can now begin to lead into our closing segment because the most important thing to do with your platform, right, Mm -hmm. is to both highlight others and your thoughts, but also highlight things that are readily happening. And as many of you have seen, there are a lot of recent instances of police brutality. Um, Unfortunately, this isn't new. You know, I'm sure we all can draw on a specific example from childhood to present that lingers in our hearts. And before we go to our segment highlighting that, I'm going to let Paul, you know, do the lead by example, right? And let everybody bring some some positivity before we get just a little more into the authenticity. For sure, for sure. So as everyone knows, we do our lead by example every episode. It's where we highlight those who are doing good work or are you just want to highlight. They did something positive. They encouraged someone. They uplifted someone. They blessed somebody. Whatever way you describe it, you know what a good feeling is. And we want to make sure that they're highlighted. So, Jonathan. Kara and Donnie, who are your leaders by example for this episode today? And I'll start who with, uh, yeah, so lead by example. So we highlight, so for example, I've, I like to highlight uh, Dr. Hans, right? Dr. Hans, because he does great work. I've used him as an example prior to that because he does great work. He serves our community. He tries to make sure that African-American males are prepared not only for college, but for their life after college. So he gets the leader by example award for the day. So that's what what we do around lead by example in this segment. So is there someone in your life, someone that you want to highlight or recognize that is doing good? Am I allowed to use you, Paul? Yeah, I won't turn it down. <laughs> I won't turn it down. <laughs> but because, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, I would definitely say Paul leads by example. He, it, just his whole energy, his whole vibe. He's just such a happy person. He lightens up every room I've seen him go into. Um, he treats everybody with respect. Um, it's something I've never seen someone do is every time they say something that might be office or might put some water somebody Paul says forgive me immediately every time and I, I've always seen that aspect of it so I'll say Paul is that leader by example for me thank you Jonathan thank you clap it up for Paul for being a leader by example thank you thank you appreciate that Jonathan how about you Donnie 
Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to give it up to my girl, Dr. Walina Price, over at yes, UConn. yes, uh, our, our our AUC sister, uh, Selmanite, um, because she organized the hell out of that panel um, the other day yes. in order to talk about all of the, the issues that are going on in terms of racism and COVID nineteen, racism and police brutality. Um, and we had over 400-something people participating, and I thought that was pretty powerful. Yes, it did. Um, and, and she planned to do it again, but with students. So I, I, I definitely want to commend her effort. Absolutely. that dialogue going and charging UConn up with the action items uh, to consider how to move forward from all of this. Yes, yes. Can we show some love for DP? Shout out to DP for all you do. Thank you, Dr. Price. You are an amazing individual. Continue doing those great things that you do. Miss Kira. Well, um, I guess um, it's kind of like a group of people, I guess, especially seeing like the, everything going on, all of the, all of the youth, especially like black youth who are mm-hmm. going out and leading these protests. Yes. Um, Specifically, I guess I'll talk about like the one where I'm from in Durham, like the BYP 100 um, did a protest last week. Um, one of my friends is a part of that organization. So it's just really, you know, looking at, you know, all these young black people who shouldn't even have to do this. You know, they should just be enjoying life, enjoying, you know, watching anime. But <laughs> right, they are right. going out um, <laughs> and risking everything to really make a difference in our world. So. Honestly, shout out to them, and they can really show us, you know, especially a lot of older people, too. They, they're really showing them, you know, what they need to be doing as well. So we definitely going to shout out the young and black and brown, young black and brown folks, the old black and brown folks, all black and brown folks who are protesting and organizing this. We are giving you love. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. There's justice. We are seeing justice because of those actions. Whether you agree with them, whether you disagree with them, you see outcomes from these actions that have been happening over the past uh, few days. So thank you, young people that are leading that charge. And of course, thank you to our wonderful guests. We yes. appreciate y'all making time for us, but also making time to share your unique feelings. You know, as we discussed, a lot of us don't get the opportunity to be as candid as we do about things that we love. So for that, we appreciate y'all. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. for having us. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Thank you again. I got to give you, I just love hitting this button because I am an appreciator <laughs> and we appreciate you all for coming on. You did a wonderful job and we can't wait to have you again on our show for sure. And, you know, now to get to the, the nitty gritty that I referenced earlier. So most notably, uh, Breonna Taylor, among others, have been victims of police brutality. And I'm saying specifically Breonna Taylor over George Floyd because we're seeing that a lot of people still have trouble conceptualizing how police brutality affects black women, right? Mm-hmm. Most notably with the Say Her Name campaigns, we found that a lot of people have almost put her to the side as if she is less of a police brutality victim. So I would like to remind you all to keep all victims in your mind and now to shift to protest. We understand that protesting is very difficult. You know, it's daunting, right? We see people being tear gassed, among other things. But I'd like to remind you that organizing and supporting is a variety of things, right? It's boosting bail funds. It's dropping water off to protesters. It's remembering to challenge those in your community to have these hard discussions. Because what tends to happen is the people of color and most specifically black people who understand them 
are the main ones getting talked to, right? But for our viewers who are not black, remind yourself to talk to your network about it because the conversations take all of us and the work takes all of us. You know, we love the memes, we love the Black Lives Matter street painting, but what we're looking for is authentic change. And to change the world, you do have to change yourself. But that doesn't mean you bounce it back to the person and say that the change starts with you. How are you changing, right? How are you learning? How are you informing? And how are you supporting? And then now I'll pass it back to my wonderful partner, because I'm sure Paul has some stuff on his heart, too. Yes, yes. And, and with that in mind, Liebert um, and, and I are going to use our position of power to actually inform and to try to support and foster change. So our next few episodes, we're starting a discussion um, panel discussion series around racism in our society um, and, and more specifically around the injustices, injustices and um mistreatment of black and brown bodies um, through police brutality and within our society. So we'll have a lot of different guests, um, those from the community, those um, from academia, those from the streets, uh, whatever you want to call it. Like, and and I joke about the streets things, but, but seriously, we have so many different um, people from different, um, from coming from different walks of life. And we would really appreciate if you all enjoyed and joined us um, during this next couple couple episodes to hear what um, our leaders, our stakeholders have to say, to hear what our educators have to say, to hear what our policymakers have to say, um, so we can not only inform ourselves on how we can change, but we can be a part of that change and we can lead it. Um, so I look forward to having you all join us. Thank you again. To our wonderful guest, thank you again for being an a ongoing listener. If you're an ongoing listener, thank you for our new listeners. And those who will, fu our future listeners, please get ready to join this wonderful show. This is Thoughts from a Counselor. I'm Paul Singleton II. I'm Libra Lester III. And we are out. Thank you all so much. Catch you next week. All right, everybody. No tsunamis while watching tsunami on the couch. Hunter X Hunter, yeah, I'm gone. My mama kicked me out. Rock, paper, scissors, robbing niggas in my neighborhood. Me and my niggas won't stay for good, no. Couch surfing on tsunamis while watching tsunami on the couch. Hunter X Hunter, yeah, I'm gone. My mama kicked me out. Rock, paper, scissors, robbing niggas in my neighborhood. Me and my niggas won't stay for good, no. Man, shout out to JTC. Her best house, give me a place.